and does something physical like when he got so triggered that his nervous system was so jacked up and he punched the guy off the cliff. Hello and welcome to the Feminine as Fuck podcast. I am your host, Monica Yates, the period whisperer, a trauma healer, and an embodiment coach for both men and women. Well, obviously, periods just for women. I am a double Sagittarius, a rising Gemini, an Enneagram 8, and a generator. I know, it's a lot. I'm here for it. I help women to get into their magnetic as fuck feminine energy and for men to feel ecstasy and intimacy. In these episodes, I love to talk about things that people are thinking but too afraid to say, as well as educating you on everything that I know in this brain, body, and soul of mine. You can find all the ways to work with me on my website. And with that, let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to part two of the You series on my podcast. So I'm only doing two parts because the show is crap. And if you haven't listened to part one, you need to go and listen to that because it's is like important for part two, obviously, because we are just picking up where I've left from part one. So we don't have like these 10 hour long episodes. Honestly, there wouldn't be 10 hours worth of things to talk about from the show because it was crap. So there's that. Uh, quick little reminder before we jump in, everybody, that Be A Lover, Not A Mother is open again and I am so fucking excited. I, I mean, all of my programs are my favorite because obviously that's why I have them. Otherwise, I wouldn't be selling them because I believe in them all so fucking deeply. But Be A Lover, Not A Mother, not but, and Be A Lover, Not A Mother is magical because there is nothing like it on the market. Like, yes, there are other like manifestation courses that you can take and like mine is fucking different because it's not just from a book, but like when it comes to the Be Love and Mother stuff, this is different. This is not just about understanding men. It's also about having better relationships with them, not just romantically. Um, it's also about communicating with men better in the workplace, communicating to your child that is a male better, communicating to your male friends. It's about not emasculating men. It's about healing your relationship with men so that you can receive from them. Um, now, obviously it's not deep trauma stuff like Queen Alchemy when it comes to healing your relationship with men, but one of the biggest pieces for healing your relationship with men is honestly, in my experience and the experience of my client, is understanding them. Because a lot of our wounding comes from misinterpretations around men and it's a lack of understanding and we think they should just be like us or they should just communicate like us. And so then we have this resentment towards them. But when you understand them and when you hear their perspectives on things, it changes the game for you. So some of you guys might know that I did a survey. I started a survey about two years ago in 2019. Is that two years ago? Yeah, on men. Wow, is that only two years ago? So much has happened since then. Wow. Um, on men. And the answers are just beautiful. But what is really important from this survey is that I actually read a lot of the answers in Be a Lover, Not a Mother. And they are tearjerkers. They are tearjerkers because you're in a safe environment and you just realize how you have had this terrible perception of men that has really, really affected the way that you communicate with them and the way that you relate to them. So if you're not already in it, I would highly recommend joining. I may, I'm thinking that I probably will do a Q&A in January or something, but I highly recommend doing that. And then I also want to say on the back of that, that I've been noticing a lot of you have been asking like dating questions and a lot of my clients have very similar 
dating issues and it's about like a biological thing that we're not aware of. Um, so I'll do some episodes on that and I've got an episode on the biology of dating or something titled something like that, but I'm also going to do a, um, little mini program or like a masterclass series sometime next year as well, probably in January when I'm skiing for some vibes. Um, so I would really keep out for, I'd keep a lookout for that. And the best way to make sure you don't miss out on any of these important things is, um, to make sure that you're in my telegram group, my behind the scenes bubble. You will not miss out on anything if you're in there. It's $30 for three months or $10 a month. It's like, I know if I can break it, honestly, you pay more in coffees and you should probably quit that addiction. So just saying. Anyway, okay, so let's jump in to part two. So obviously with you and the show, I've kind of already talked about it a little bit and I will probably go back and watch season one and season two, maybe over the December period when I have some more time. But the bottom line is she just keeps fucking killing people. So I kind of got to this point in the show where I was just like, why the fuck does she keep killing people? Um, Hence, I'm not doing some lengthy podcast um, series on it because there just isn't that much valuable information to talk about. It's kind of a waste of a show, but whatever. We've progressed. We move forward. Okay, so the flashbacks that Joe has causes him to have this emotional, reactive um response or reaction where he blacks out and does something physical like when he you know that scene when he was camping with the other guys and the husband whoever that husband was um i can't remember his name really really triggers joe and joe then has this emotional reaction and he literally has a blackout of rage and does something physical like when he got so triggered that his nervous system was so jacked up and he punched the guy off the cliff. So what's really important to understand is that blackout rage attacks are a real thing. And it is very common for you to have a traumatic incident happen, you don't remember it, or to do something kind of traumatizing and feel like you had no control over it. And the reality is people go, no, you did have control over it. You have control over everything. But when you've let something get to that point, like you had control, right? You had control, but you were unaware of your problems, blissfully unaware, I lied, blissfully unaware. Then you get to a point where you don't have any control. And so you have these rage blackout attacks and it is just this reaction from your body because your body feels threatened. So we think Joe is a psycho, but to him and his character, he was acting in a way of protecting himself because according to his brain and his body, he was back being horrendously bullied and having that fight or flight, I'm going to die response in his body. So that's why sometimes like when you're in a relationship, we'll use a more basic example. Let's say for example, you are really stressed all day, something really intense is gonna ha- has happened, blah, blah, blah. And then you get in a car and someone nearly hits you and you react, they don't hit you, right? It was like a near thing and you react as though like someone's murdered your fucking child. Like you just blow up. And when you think about it days later, you're like, why did I react like that? Like you're kind of embarrassed. So when we have those reactions that we're kind of embarrassed about, what's really important to understand is that generally speaking, it was actually a very fair reaction according to your body. That doesn't mean that it was a fair reaction according to the situation. It means according to your body, that was a fair reaction because you were trying to protect yourself. You were trying to stay alive 
or like protect your environment or what, whatever it was, right? It, it's a protection response and we are animals, which means that we are aggressive by nature because we are animals and animals protect themselves, you know, using some aggression sometimes. Um, now, obviously, as conscious humans, we don't need to use aggression to get what we want, to protect ourselves, to draw a boundary X, Y, and Z. But when you've left something for so long, according to your body, the only option is aggression. Guys, if any of you guys have tips on how to make fig leaves come alive, can you please tell me? I have this fig fig leaf plant on my desk and it kind of shriveled up and died when I was in Miami because I obviously I couldn't water it and it's in the sun a lot of the time and I've watered it and watered it and it just keeps dying more and more. And I'm like, I don't want it to die. Anyway, DM me if you have an answer for that. Okay. So what's really important that I want you guys to just understand is that, yeah, these responses, even though we think that they're fucking psycho, they're actually telling us something about the person. So if you're, let's say for example, your boyfriend or your girlfriend has this insane blow up and you're like, what the fuck? This is like, so just, it it is way over, it's over the top for what has happened. Okay. It's like, this is too much. It's over the top for what has happened. Generally speaking, it's not actually about what's happened. It's about something else. And what's happened right in front of you has triggered something deeper. And that's where it's important to get curious about yourself and curious about other people when you feel like your reaction was maybe a little bit over the top. Um, And generally it's over the top because you've gotten triggered and your body has reacted rather than responded if that makes sense. So when you get rid of this stuff from your nervous system and when your nervous system no longer gets so triggered by past events, unlike Joe, Joe gets very, very triggered by past events because he hasn't healed them by any means. And his nervous system is like always on red alert. And so you punch people off the cliffs. That's what happens. (laughs) When you get rid of this stuff from your nervous system, you don't get revved up. When you have control over your nervous system, you don't get as revved up if at all like I have so much control over my nervous system I train my clients to have so much control over their nervous system I train them like their dogs lol no I give them tools so that they can train themselves to have so much control over their nervous system that they can have someone be a complete fucking dick face right in front of them and they would just have no no emotional reaction in your body to me that is power to me that is freedom and that gives you a sense of control. Control is an illusion, but it gives you a sense of control. So it means that in stressful situations or in triggering situations, quote unquote, you don't get revved up. You are in your own energy and that nothing anyone says to you could trigger you. And this is very important. Like if you're running a business and it's just trigger fucking central, like good luck, good fucking luck. And I mean, not to be, not to like put other like business coaches down or whatever. I'm not saying that at all because we all have our own way of doing things. But as a rule of thumb, like if you're trying to run a business and you haven't done like the roots and like the healing work, I'm just like, what are you doing? Like I even had a girl DM me the other day asking if we could do like a VIP day um, for business stuff when she comes to my New York event, which by the way, tickets are going out on the 16th of October, um, early bird, $1,000 off, get that. 
be there, be square. Also, you go in the running to win a fucking helicopter ride with me. So just just saying. Anyway, she was asking if we could do a VIP day to like map out strategy and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what do you need help with? And she replied and I literally said to her, I was like, you don't need strategy help. You just need to come to the three days, which you're already doing. You know the strategy. You actually need to just clear what's in your way. Most of us know business strategy, like within within reason, right? Obviously, there's some things that you don't know, like that's totally valid. But as a rule of thumb, like if, what the fuck's in your mouth? Oh my God, hold on. Oh, boys, what is that in my mouth? Ew, that's elastic band. Oh gosh. I just like, how do dogs find these things? I really don't know how they find these things. Anyway, I'm like, I don't even know where an orange band has come from. Okay, so a lot of the time um, when it comes like the business stuff, if you just fix the root which is like the the clearing the healing the trauma like shit becomes really easy anyway bottom line is heal the stuff you're not a reactive psychopath anymore the end okay i will admit when love said or when joe said i can't remember who said our love language is violence i'm like bingo and let's break this down for a second a lot of you guys know from my previous episodes Oh my God, that love, as in not the character love, but like love itself is a, a common, it's also, it's a big part of it is a combination of hormones. A big part of it is oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine, and PEA, which is phenylalanine. Phenylalanine, I can't fucking say the word. It's found in chocolate. Anyway, a lot of those hormone releases are what make you feel love for somebody. And I'm not saying that you don't also have that spark and there's just something about the person. Like, I totally get that. Um, but what's important to understand is that you need to remember that when we get excited about things or when there's an adrenaline rush, that is a massive release of adrenaline, which is addictive. And when you have a huge release of adrenaline, which happens in traumatic situations, it happens in, you know, when you're fucking stranded on a boat with someone or let me use examples when the car's fucking broken down on the side of the road and you have that experience with somebody all of this adrenaline it makes your body feel fucking excited so you feel horny as hell so you start making out with the fucking person and then that releases more dopamine oxytocin serotonin a lot of their relationship is tied to violence it's just tied to adrenaline it's just tied to adrenaline. Like I guarantee you, if you went on a first or second date with someone that you didn't really know and you went skydiving together, you would feel so fucking in love with that person. But if you went out to dinner together, less so. Because the adrenaline and the hormone release has a really, really big part to play in it all. So when love or Joe, whoever said it, that their love language is violence, it's true. What it means is that they, the way they quote unquote show love and feel love for each other is through violence. But it's not actually the violence. The violence triggers the adrenaline release. The adrenaline then makes them feel really fucking horny and excited and electric, right? All this fucking cortisol pumping for their body. So then they turn to each other and start making out with each other because they're not actually thinking straight because they're just thinking through adrenaline. Then you combine all the dopamine, serotonin, and oxytocin in there and PHEA, PHA, I'm fucking confusing DHEA with phenylalanine, whatever the fuck it's called, that bloody chocolate thing, lol. Uh, it's one of those long words with like all of the PH and the L's and whatever that like you literally can't even say. Um, anyway, so 
when you combine all of that together, yes, it creates a concoction of love is what it does. And the bottom line is that neither of them have control over their emotions or even are aware of their brain and their body and the way that it reacts to certain situations. So like I'm very aware of it. So therefore I'm very aware of like, oh, this is not actually him. It's the adrenaline or it's the alcohol or it's the actual environment or it's the fact that like I'm dressed up so I feel good and therefore I think he makes me feel good but really I just feel good. And you tie these feelings to a person when it's not actually about the person, if that makes sense. Um, So let me have a sip of my tea, hold on. So it doesn't help the fact that love has no control over her emotions and that Joe has no control over his emotions. And Joe is addicted to saving people and making people feel saved, right? Because then he feels loved and enough. Because you've got to remember, he didn't save his mum like he wanted to and he didn't save that school nurse or whatever like he wanted to. So as a child, he kept feeling like he wasn't enough of a man and he wasn't saving people. Hence, he wanted a daughter so so that he could protect a daughter, remember? He kept feeling like he wasn't saving people. He wasn't enough of a man, blah, blah, blah. He didn't feel loved and he didn't feel enough. Just quickly interrupting this episode, guys, to let you know and remind you that Be Love and Not a Mother is open for enrollment and this program is fucking amazing. Like, it is so juicy, so sexy, and who doesn't love to talk about men for, like, a lot of hours? So make sure that you're in that if you're not already, and plus there are modules that are filmed in Switzerland. So that is a vibe in itself with a glass ceiling and snow outside. Honestly, that place was nothing short of magic. So make sure you're in that. And then also I want to mention that if any of you guys want to get portal access early for Queen Alchemy or Baba so that you can be absorbing content and doing it over the holidays, then just send Sarah an email and she will get you in. I would recommend that especially for Baba or for Queen Alchemy if you are short on time, just because then obviously you have a longer amount of time to absorb the portal content before the live component of the program starts next year. So the people pleasing is his way of trying to fill a void of, I want to feel enough. I want to feel loved. But the only way that he will ever feel loved and enough is if he does the healing work and the trauma work, not if someone else tells him so. Someone else could tell you a million and one times, you're enough, you're enough, you're enough. You're loved, you're loved, you're loved. You're so hot, you're so hot, you're so beautiful, you're so beautiful. But if you don't believe that for yourself, it will go in one ear and out the fucking other. Okay. Um, next top point is that love is actually a psychopath, like full stop the end. She's a full blown psychopath. Like she definitely has a personality issue. Like her character has a personality um, disorder and she is a psychopath. So you have, you have, she's very manipulative, very manipulative as well. So she's definitely a narcissist, her character. And then what happens is once you start like, I don't know. I, wrote, I think I might have written this about written about narcissists in a magazine issue, maybe like in July or August issue. Anyway, you have narcissists. You, let's, let's say, for example, there's like a spectrum of narcissists. At one end of the spectrum, it's like they're just a narcissist, right? They're, they're just in the fucking box of narcissism. And then on the other edge, you have like a line between narcissism and 
a sociopath. Now, the difference between a sociopath and a psychopath, and I would say that love is both. A sociopath, they tend to be more like manipulative. They can be seen by others as charming. They lead like, they, they look like they have a very normal life, that kind of stuff, but they don't minimize risk and criminal activities. Sociopaths are more erratic. They're very, they're like, they're prone to having that those blackout rage attacks and they don't lead as much of a normal life. So, um, and they, when they do do like some sort of criminal activity, they don't think about the consequences. They don't do it really, really well. So I would say love is both. Um, I would say that, I would say both of them are both, to be honest. Both of them are both. They can't, honestly, sociopath and a psychopath, they honestly overlap a lot. But in terms of psychopaths, psychopaths, are often more along the lines of narcissism where they seem perfect. They're very charming. They come across trustworthy. They have a job. You know, they can they can be they they can seem like they are in a loving relationship. They do they just look like they have a very put together great life, right? Um, they don't want to get caught. And they will always kind of have this contingency plan, which is why it's like narcissism, where narcissists will, you know, if they got caught out, if they were told, you know, you're manipulating me, they would flip it back on them, right? They're very, very good at making it everybody else's problem and never their own. So they're very smart people, we could say. They're fucked up smart, right? Then a sociopath that was like that before a sociopath is impulsive and erratic their behavior it's like it's very obvious that they have something a little bit wrong if that makes sense um and they will not necessarily be holding out like long-term jobs or have much of like a present life outside of themselves they both sociopath and psychopath they both are a result of like environmental factors when growing up and the childhood when growing up and the up the how they were up, how they were brought up and any emotional physical sexual trauma they encounter when they were younger and it's just obviously one is like quite obvious and the other one is less obvious and in my opinion a sociopath is way more dangerous than a psychopath because a sociopath you don't pick it up straight away right it can you don't you think they're all charming and perfect and la 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 um anyway so what was I going to say? So yeah, love is a sociopath and a psychopath, full stop the end. Um, and it definitely comes from her lack of control when she was younger. So now she tries to control people, but she does it in a very sly, manipulative way. I mean, even the way that she fucking killed her husband or tried to kill her husband was like so fucked up that like it was like that she was planning this whole thing for ages, having the flowers in the garden that can kill people and all that kind of stuff. It really was quite psychotic, to be honest. She was, she is definitely more of a sociopath than I would say Joe, right? Because her erratic behavior, which is the psychopath part, her erratic, sorry, sociopath is the erratic behavior, psychopath is the manipulative kind of behavior, right? The so, her sociopath side is the side where she just like has a fucking cage downstairs, throws people in it, hits people over the head with fucking bread pens. There's just no sense of control over her emotions. And that does come from her childhood and what I was saying in the first episode, right? 
When you also look at love, her energy is so cold, right? She's so manipulative with Joe. Um, and, you know, when she said, for example, for death do us part, we're a team, et cetera, et cetera, she really sucks him in. Whenever she kills somebody, she sucks him in and manipulates him so that he feels less, so that she feels less alone um, and so that she feels seen, right? And if he doesn't help him, help her she's gonna kill him which she tries to do in the end honestly i don't blame joe for then killing her back i probably would if i was him anyway i mean i know whether i actually could do it i could say that but i don't know whether i actually would fucking could be able to do it i don't think i could i can kill a fucking spider but that's about it even still it makes my fucking stomach churn anyway so um what was i gonna say he also joe is not innocent by any means he does a lot of talking himself into situations and he has no personal boundaries so abandonment wounds and he's got an abandonment wound they both do he's got an emotional and a physical abandonment wound she has more of just an emotional so what that means is that her mum emotionally abandoned her a lot his mum emotionally abandoned him and physically abandoned him right like he was physically left so when someone has a massive abandonment wound it will also often come out in them abandoning themselves. And what that looks like is someone having no personal boundaries where in their head they don't want to do something, but they'll say yes anyway. And they abandon themselves. They abandon their boundaries. They abandon their desires. A very basic example. I've got a Halloween party this weekend. Well, at the time of recording, it's tomorrow. This is coming out in a couple of weeks. Anyway, and the guest list is already fucking huge. I've got a big apartment, but like... <laughs> another mansion anyway so and I also like care about the state of my apartment and it's Halloween I feel like everyone's gonna get white girl wasted so everyone fucking pray for me putting it out in the ethers um anyway an example of me abandoning myself would be when I'm like at max capacity sensor text out guest list closed the end no more plus ones blah blah blah. and then someone messages me this is true story asking if they can invite someone else like is it okay if I bring my friend blah 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 me abandoning myself would speed me saying okay fine yes even though I want to say no me not abandoning myself is saying no I'm at max capacity the guest list is closed I'm sorry no and and I'm not sorry but I am sorry if that makes sense obviously if I had a bigger apartment I would let let them come but I don't so me abandoning myself would be saying yes me not abandoning myself is me holding that boundary and saying no because when you abandon yourself you start to resent yourself and the other person if that makes sense so that's really important you hold that energy of abandonment within you and you keep being a people pleaser and people pleasers often also abandon themselves and they have abandonment wounds duh they're trying to please everybody so they feel loved so joe has absolutely no personal boundaries and that then means that he also lets himself get lets himself get talked into a lot of situations um, and do things that he wants to say no to, but he abandons himself and doesn't say no. Okay, in case you haven't already heard, November 16th, early bird tickets for my New York City three-day immersion are out. Make sure that you have a fucking huge ass reminder in your calendar because you get $1,000 off and a chance to win a helicopter tour with me, which is so fucking awesome. All the details are on the website and on my Instagram highlight. Okay, Um, next thing. 
Obviously, it's great that they talked about swinging to keep things spicy. And I have to admit, I am loving how many TV shows lately are illustrating the not so pretty and perfect side of relationships and the not so pretty and perfect side of like postpartum and motherhood and fatherhood and um, the fact that like, yeah, you do need to fucking spice shit up in the bedroom sometimes to keep a marriage alive and sexy and healthy and just a relationship, not even a marriage, but like a long-term relationship. So between sex life and then also this, um, I'm glad about that. I do want to watch this Goop show um, and I'd be interested to see if they mention that in there. But the more that you obviously talk about sex and have an open relationship with it, the better it's going to be because sex is a very, very important part of your relationship. Okay. Uh, next thing is that um, he never feel like he had control. Okay. So you know how Joe kills um, the librarian's ex-husband? Can't remember. Her name is Juliet, I think. No, Marianne. Marianne. I can't remember what um, his name was. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But you know how he goes to his, Joe goes to his work and I mean, that guy is a fucking freak anyway. The, the drug addict, right? Where he goes into his house and puts more drugs in a smoothie, but nothing happens because he's always on drugs, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that guy. So remember that Joe's Joe accidentally knocks him over the edge of the car park and then he's still alive. So he runs downstairs and stabs him. Beautiful. Um, so when it comes to Joe's need to kill a lot of men, um, that are threatening a relationship or a so-called relationship with a woman that he's interested in, this is because he has never felt like he's had control over his relationships or felt seen in his relationships. So he kills men that sabotage, sabotages his ability to be seen by the woman that he quote unquote likes or loves or is interested in. So when you look at Marianne, he was feeling threatened by this guy and also not necessarily threatened, threatened, but more so like their, like their possible relationship between Joe and Marianne was being threatened by the ex-husband, like wanting to take the daughter and then Marianne having to move to LA or New York or wherever they were going to go, whatever. So because he never felt like he had control when he was younger, he overgives. he over tries to control. Remember I was talking about in the last episode of like he has an obsessive need to control because he didn't feel like he had any control or any input or any influence over anything that was happening when he was a child. And it does not matter, it doesn't mean that children need to be in control because that obviously wouldn't end well. But what it means is that children need to feel like they have an influence. They have, they are a part of the decision-making process, that they have some say in things. And he didn't. So he kills men that sabotages his ability to be seen. Even you look at the nurse situation at school, he was so angry at that guy because he wanted to feel seen and loved and cared for and have attention from, abandonment wound, have attention from the nurse, but the nurse's boyfriend or partner or whatever would always be kind of getting in the way and making him feel less of a man. So the way that he would feel like a man would be to be like, fuck this, I'm in control, I'm going to kill you to show you, look, he's in control now, look who's got the girl now, if that makes sense. So again, it is a very reactive response but it's less reactive than it's generally speaking, it's less reactive than love in that he does it over a slower period of time. 
but it's reactive in the way that he cannot process his own shit. Um, the way that he quote unquote processes his own shit is by killing people, but that's obviously not processing anything. And he's like, oh, he's like mildly aware that this comes from a childhood thing, but he doesn't have, he doesn't seem to think that he could have any control over it or change it, if that makes sense. And a lot of people feel that a lot of people are the victim to their past and they just think, well, this is the way that it is. Like, I'm just, this is all that's happened in my past. It's just going to keep going like this. People honestly cling to their trauma that they, they love being the victim. Um, and it feels scarier to be like, I want, I'm going to change this. It feels easier to just cling to it. It gives them an excuse for their crap behavior is what it does. People holding on to their trauma and to their past and to the things that have quote unquote happened to them, it gives them an excuse to have their shitty behavior. It gives them an excuse for their shitty behavior. Um, okay. And then the last thing that I want to mention is that Joe's mum is also a little bit, I'm not, I'm saying psycho, like as a, as like a loose thing, like a, she's a psycho, not actually, she's just fucked up for leaving her son. She is crazy. Like she has clearly gotten, he has clearly gotten that from her a thousand percent because a mother to leave her son, especially like, there's just no reason to leave a child, like full stop the end, right? There's no reason to leave a child. So for a mother to leave her child like that, it's honestly no wonder that Joe has, oh, God. it's honestly no wonder that Joe has the issues that he does. And, um, I mean, I don't even know what to say about that mom. Like, it's just like, don't leave a fucking child that is so psychotic. She has a whole host of issues of her own. We don't know enough about the character to even know what they could be. Um, but I, I don't even know what they could be like that to me. is just so fucked up, like so fucked up. Um, the only thing that I can give it to is like that. She's also like actually got something wrong mentally because that doesn't even make sense. Um, because mums have such a biological connection connection to their child that she would have to override all of her biology and all of her hormones. So to me, it's like there's actually something wrong in her brain and or she's been so heavily manipulated and so heavily programmed and blindsided and fucked over by these abusive boyfriends that she thinks what she's doing is right. So if she thinks what she's doing is right, it's like a reprogramming, if that makes sense. Just like when you look at... Um, for example, um, people that think killing other people is like, you know, um, the right thing to do. Like it says it in their religion. Um, that is like once you've been programmed enough, you believe that. If you believe, if you've been programmed enough that you know certain people are better than others, you believe that. It's just like anything. You just have to be programmed enough. If you're programmed and in that environment enough, it becomes your belief. That's why you can have the belief that money is bad because if you've been programmed like that for long enough, it's the exact same thing when it comes to like killing people is good or yes, you can leave your son or your son is a psycho. Like if you're told that enough, you will believe it. You know, think about it. Society is doing it to all of us little humans right now. Mm -mm -mm, the media is just doing it to us. And if you're not strong enough in your truth and if you're not aware of it, you will get programmed by it. The end. Anyway, 
that is part two and the last of the, se- the series because it was a crap show. Um, anyway, I hope this kind of like broke it down a little bit for you guys anyway and that you found it interesting. I know that you kind of like these quote unquote real life examples because it's almost a little bit more fun to like tie it to something and and whatnot. And f- it feels more relatable, but I hope that this is not relatable because I really hope none of you guys go around killing people. Just saying. Anyway, um, the next couple of episodes are going to be fabulous for you guys to listen to. So I highly recommend that you keep listening to the podcast and make sure that you're in my behind the scenes bubbles. So you keep up with the loop, keep up in the, keep up, stay in the loop, stay in the loop with everything. Um, and what was I going to say? The man is open for enrollment. Be a lover, not a mother is open for enrollment. If you know that you want to secure a space for Queen Alchemy next year, you can email Sarah to make sure that you get locked and loaded for that. Same as Baba. If you want to make sure that you secure a spot and get early access to the portal content, then you can just email Sarah. Thank you guys so much for listening and please leave a review if you haven't already. I'm so grateful for them. Share this episode on your Instagram story and make sure you tag me so I can say thank you and so that I can obviously reshare it. Oh,